0: Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Wow, what a week we've got going on. Fasting tomorrow, praying for salvations, giving gifts all week, 24 hours of worship on Friday night, Saturday, uh, free feast next Sunday, celebrating eternity with Jesus. Wow. You guys ready for this? Let me start by blessing us today as we get going. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now, and I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, it's great to see you all. If you're new here or visiting or been away for the last couple weeks, we have started a series now on Abraham, God's, God's friend. And we're just at the very beginning of it. We've just started off, and, and thus far we've looked at Abraham's background, and, and let's just put the map on the screen here, how Abraham was raised in his early years, you know, I don't know, somewhere into his 50s, uh, around Ur of the Chaldees, which is point piece one on the on the map over here. He was raised here, it was on the Persian Gulf, and it was an amazing city in Abraham's day. And then he m- moves to Haran with his family, which is Point number two there on the map uh, for some years until his father dies, Tara dies, and then we saw how he eventually, with a long, slow obedience process, finally makes it to the promised land after many, many years. And he, and Jesus or God tells him that this is the land that he was promised. So that's kind of where where we've been in our say today. They're gonna he's gonna go down and go to the land of Egypt for for this time, which is. Point, point uh, I don't know if it's a point, place four uh, on, on the map here today. Now, before we talk about what happens in, in Abraham's life today, I, I need to talk about marriage, and I need to talk about relationships, and, and we need to talk about specifically the God who cares more about marriage than you do. The God who cares more about your marriage than you do, and maybe you care a lot about your marriage, God still cares even more. Now, the topic of marriage is so central to today's story that we're going to, but it's always with hesitation that I talk about this topic because the Bible is is somewhat complicated on this topic. In fact, I I was talking to my wife Kelly, and she's like, "What are you talking about tomorrow?" and 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 I said, "Marriage," and and she, I think, her exact words were, "Oh no." What are you going to say? And and, and yeah, exactly. Like, what are you going to say? Because it, it is complicated, and also, for some, there's a lot of pain with with this this topic. It's complicated because culturally, our culture is way different than than the culture of the Bible when it comes to marriage and relationships and engagements and how it all works. But also when you're looking at what the Bible says about marriage, there's a few different pieces. On the one hand, you've got Genesis chapter 2, where you're like, okay, God, uh, it was God's idea, marriage is God's idea, and it's not good for the man to be alone. And you go through the Old Testament, and you see things like, well, hey, he who finds a wife finds a good thing in favor from the Lord. And then you get to the New Testament, and you're not supposed to be an elder unless you're married, and things like that. It's just kind of this flow through the Bible. But on the other hand, there is a high uh, esteem for, uh, for singleness, and you will see comments that Jesus makes uh, about singleness, or, or Paul, and he's like, I wish everybody was, was, was like me, and so they could be all about Jesus and, and not have to be divided uh, with, with their interests there. So the Bible talks about a God-goodness when it comes to marriage, and it talks about a God-goodness when it comes to singleness. So I just I just I'm aware that that, that this is the context of the Bible and, and what's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we look at Abraham, I want to I want to talk about the covenant of marriage because I want us to see why God responds the way He's going to respond, why He's going to respond. Firstly, I want to make sure that we understand that at the heart of the marriage, uh, the heart of marriage is as a sing, is a single word. And it's not love, actually. It's covenant. It's, it's covenant. Mal- Malachi 2.14 calls marriage a, a covenant. And I personally believe it's the confusion between which is the number one word when it comes to marriage. Is it love? Is it covenant? I would argue that it is a covenant of love. And they're, they're, they're pretty much inseparable when done rightly. But, but if we put love above covenant, we're getting a little bit confused. And there, there is a lot of um, issues and confusion out there. And, and of course, love is a, a big deal in marriage, but we got to make sure that we understand that, that covenant is the highest is the highest word here. And that we're talking about a covenant of love. Now, we don't use the word covenant much, maybe unless you play Xbox and Halo. But other than that, we we don't usually use the word word covenant. And yet, it's important to make sure we have a grasp of this when it comes to the Bible. And so, here's a chart quickly. We've got um, seven covenants that God makes with his people in the Bible. Uh, five of them are classified as unconditional covenants, and two of them are conditional covenants. Now, a, an unconditional covenant means no conditions. Very clever there. Whoever worded that, that's, that's amazing. Uh, no conditions, meaning God is making a, 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 a promise, a vow an oath, a commitment that it doesn't matter what anybody else does, he is going to keep it. There's there's no conditions on it. He is going to keep his word. He's going to keep his vow. A conditional covenant then is one where he will keep his side of the agreement if you keep your side of the agreement. If you do what you're saying. Now, there, there's a spectrum here on kinds of conditions and when it comes to covenants. But, you know, I think at a, a basic level, many people treat marriage like a, a simple conditional covenant. If you treat me good, then I'll treat you good. But if you don't, you know, it's war. You know, or something like that. Uh, like, like I think a lot of people treat that if, if you, then, then, then I will. Whereas I think marriage is supposed to be a lot more committed than, than that than that it's it's an unconditional covenant is when you say you know what i commit to loving you even if you don't love me well in return that that our relationship is not going to hinge on how you treat me but on me keeping my vows my oath and my, my promise to you that's an that's an unconditional promise most of god's covenants are unconditional covenants uh, and And you know, I will keep my covenant to you and and I would say that an unconditional covenant is love I, I love that. perfect, perfect moment, jingle. is love <laughs> in its highest and most purest form. Unconditional covenant is love in its highest and most purest form. I will love you no matter what. And I believe that's what marriage is supposed to be, but Jesus himself acknowledges that because of hard hearts, because people can be so evil to each other, because, because people can be so selfish, because people can be not godly, that Mo- Moses, per, Mo- Moses permitted divorce, although in marriage God made the two one into a covenant of oneness, that wasn't supposed to be separated, but because of evil and how evil people can be, that there was some situation where you could be divorced because of, because of evil. So in that sense, I, I can't say that marriage is an unconditional covenant, but it's got to be up there. It, it's got to be like maybe a half tick below, right? Just, just it's, it's way up there on the, on the kind of commitment that one is making to another person. Furthermore, Yes, I said it. When was the last time you ever said furthermore in in any conversation, right? I mean, I I couldn't figure out what conjunction to use at this moment. I was like, furthermore. It just stuck in my head, right? Who says furthermore? Only dorks. Furthermore, furthermore, uh, in the Bible, one of God's highest values is keeping your word. One of his highest values is keeping your oaths, keeping your vows, keeping your your promises. In fact, this is such a big deal that God's will changes. Okay, wow, some of your theology alarms are going off right now. God's will changes, his ideal will changes when a vow or an oath has been made, even if God did not want that, that oath to be made, The second it's made, God then cares more about that oath or vow being kept than than what he had wanted previously to that. It it, it literally changes God's ideal when, when an oath or a vow is made. Unless, and only unless, the vow is to do evil or the vow is to follow any other God but Yahweh. Jesus. An example of this probably the best example of this is is Joshua chapter 10. And in Joshua chapter 10 God's people are told to wipe out every inhabitant of the land. We're not talking about that today, but that that was the, that was the command that was the declared will of God, wipe them all out, all of them. And instead, these deceivers, the Gibeonites come and intentionally lie and intentionally trick and intentionally deceive God's people to making a vow to not wipe them out. And it was all under deceit. It was all lies. But they do make that vow. And from that moment on, even though God's first declared will is everybody gets wiped out, then when they make that vow, God's will changes. And, and it is now his will that they don't wipe them out because they made a vow, because they made an oath, because they made this promise. And so from then on, God becomes the defender of this oath and vow. And 400 years later, Saul, in his zealousness, says the Bible, he starts trying to wipe out the people of Gibeon, the uh, the people who the the vow was not to wipe them out. And God comes to their defense. And he punishes the land with a a famine. and, And he strikes the land with a plague. Famine, famine, I think. Friends, if you make a vow or an oath, it becomes God's will that you keep it. It becomes God's will that you keep it. And that vow is such a big deal to God that He will act in judgment if that vow is not kept, with that one exception that we talked about. So when Jesus is teaching on marriage to his with his disciples, and in Matthew 19 is what I'm thinking about specifically, he he's making the disciples realize he's making a huge statement, and, and the disciples are like, man, if this is the case between a man and a woman, like how how what? And that's where Jesus kind of makes his singleness plug there, and in, in, in Matthew 9, 19 there. But they understand that what Jesus is saying about marriage and how and how important it is to 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 keep with it. Man, it, it blows the disciples' minds. Like, wow, that's, that's really a big deal. So all that to say, at marriage, entering into a covenant of marriage, making the vows and, and oaths is such a big deal to God that he expects you to keep them. He expects you to fight for your marriage and to cultivate your marriage and be faithful with it unto death. And so God is a God who cares more about your marriage than you do. And he cares more about keeping your vows and your promises and your oaths, whatever they might be, than you do. Look at this, what Malachi 2 says. It says, you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you've been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner. The wife of your marriage Word is covenant, the wife of your marriage covenant. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his, and what does he want? Godly children from your union. So, guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So, guard your heart, and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Okay, so you get it, so you get it. Marriage is a huge deal to God, God cares more about your marriage than you do, He acts when marriage is not being honored. That's just the fun intro, all right, that's just that's just setting the stage for, for what we're going to be talking about today. Now, we're going to look at Abraham briefly, and we're going to continue in his journey as he goes down to, to Egypt, and he, he's been living in the Negev in a the dry bit of the land in the south, and While he's living there, we pick up in verse 10. And this is what we read. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. No, no, I don't know. (laughs) This is his wife. Let's kill him, then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. When when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Okay, so the context is... It all starts with a major crisis, right? There's a famine, and a famine is particularly devastating for Abram because he needs food not only for his his family and his, his family household, but also all his wealth is in sheep. He's got heaps of sheep. He's got goats. He's got he's got lots of things, and so he, they need to eat. Otherwise, if they die, he loses everything. And so, so there's a, the crisis, and in his crisis, he does. He makes one of the most common mistakes that godly people make in the Bible and in life. And what he does is he looks at the crisis and he makes a plan to lead his people through the crisis. But he doesn't ask God about it. But he doesn't ask God about it. He makes his own plans without seeking the plan of God. Friends, if you ever find yourself in a crisis, God has a path for you. If you ever find yourself in a crisis, God has a path for you. He has a way through. He has a way uh, to lead you through that moment. But you need to seek him about his path, his plans. Abraham, he makes a plan. It's going to work. Others in the Bible make the same mistake. King Asa, Joshua, they make plans, but they make plans without seeking God. And they probably do this because of one particular lie we're all prone to. Here's the lie. If I can see a way through this myself, then I don't need God's guidance. If I'm looking at my, my life, my situation. If I can make a plan, if I can see a way through this, then I don't need to seek God on it. It's a lie. It trips up, it trips up God's people all throughout the, the ages of the world. I, my notes use the word idiot here, so I'll just read them for you. It says, don't be the idiot who only seeks God when they have no idea what to do. Save yourself. The needless pain. The needless deployment. By becoming one who seeks God about Everything. God, I see this. Here's a possibility. What do you think? Are we okay with this? All right. I'm thinking of it this way. Speak now or or you know, here here we you know, here we go like seeking God on, on everything. Anyway, so this in this crisis Abraham makes a plan. But his plan reveals a pretty significant problem here. Because Abraham cares more about his safety and his success than his marriage. In fact, let me just read these words again. It was somewhere in verse 13. It said this is what Abraham says this here. You know, do this because they will spare my life and treat me well. That's his motive. They will spare my life and treat me well. That's entirely selfish. That's entirely self-focused. Hey, friends, if if you want a power tip on how to destroy your marriage, be selfish. Be be, be so selfish. Be thinking, how can your life be better? How can you be more successful? How can it be all about you and, and your situation be the best? Abraham clearly values his success and his safety more than his marriage covenant. This is one of... Again, a very common issue in our modern era, people caring more about themselves and, and more about their, their success, more about their journey than their marriages. They care more about themselves than those vows that they made once to love, to honor, to cherish. Now, those aren't wedding vows from the Bible, but they're still made in our generation, And those are the ones that we keep, to love, to honor, and cherish. And and people are are neglecting those, especially in situations where they perceive they might have more success or a better future if they just neglect that for right right now. If you have a propensity to selfishness and the pursuit of your own better future, if that's your goal in life, instead of honoring your marriage covenant, I I just say be warned. Be warned. Be warned. God cares more about your marriage covenant than your success or your safety. God cares more about this. And he cares how you keep your word, how you keep your vows, all of them. And maybe this is too basic of a tip or something like that. But if you're married, if you're, if you're married, I encourage, you, I encourage you to keep looking past the eyes of your spouse... Like, not just stopping at the, the color of their eyes. Oh, wow, those are very pretty eyes you have. But like looking deeper and, and just tell yourself, like, remind yourself that the person in front of you is a real person. They are actually a person created by God. And as ones created by God are worthy to be loved by you faithfully all the days of your life. Worthy to be cherished because God cherishes them. God made them worth loving with greatest intentionality. This is a person who's cr- created by God who hurts, who has feelings, who has their own story, their own journey, their own fears, their own anxieties, their own, their own personality. Not perfect. Probably, maybe. But they're loved by God. And, and they're created and we vow to love them them this person for better for worse and they're worth loving abraham's plan worked exactly as he said and he does become more successful and he does become more wealthy everything that he said turned out to be the case and he got the results that he said they will treat me well if this is if this is their plan and, uh, and yet, friends, I guarantee you, God had a much better plan than Abraham's stupid plan, right? Oh, I know we don't say stupid, but maybe now's a good time. I, God had a much better plan than Abraham's plan here. What, what happens here? Well, in verse 17, we see this. It says, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh. And his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her. Get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them. And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. God cares more about marriage covenants than anyone. And, and so be warned, friends, if you mess with, with someone's spouse, God is very prone to intervening because he cares about that marriage. Even if they don't care about that marriage, God cares about that, that, the, the vows that they made. Your marriage is a big deal to them. Other people's marriages are a big deal to, to God. Again, God cares. God watches over And you see that here with how he treats Pharaoh, who was innocent in his mistake. Adultery is one of the very, 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 very few sins in the Old Testament punishable by death. There aren't many. But it's it's such a big deal to God that we keep our vows and we honor the covenant of marriage. Now, since... Uh, God values marriage so highly, I want to give you a few tips, but before I do, before I do, I want to say that I know that I've talked so um, persuasively and, and uh, convincingly about keeping your covenants, but if you are in an abusive situation, I say get safe and get help. All right? I, I just want to make that very clear. Abusive situations, get safe, get help. I would say don't worry today about figuring out, well, is this a divorceable reality or not? Just get safe, get help. Start there. Get safe, get help, whatever the situation is. There's so much evil out there. I understand there's so much abuse out there. I understand selfishness in the world today. And, and some of the worst of it takes place behind the closed doors of the home. Some of the worst evils. And I, I just, may God come to your defense quickly, powerfully, quickly radically, for those of you who are being misused by someone who had vowed to love, honor, and and cherish you. May God act swiftly. If you are not treating your spouse, well, I would say be afraid. I know what God's like. He does bring justice, and he will bring justice to those who are being mistreated. I would worry. I'd be afraid. And I would repent and stop. Actually, that's my tip. Repent Repent and stop. Repent and stop. Okay, to the married, those who are not being abused, three basic bits of advice. Number one, I would say trust what the Bible says about about marriage and don't overthink it too much. It's hard to find teachings in the Bible that don't chafe with our culture today, but honestly, that might be an encouraging thing. I I don't see our culture's way thriving when it comes to marriage. Maybe the Holy Spirit knows something more about marriage than our culture does. There's, There's a lot of just... Random things throughout the Bible, like when it comes to marriage. Like in the New Testament, make sure like don't don't neglect having sex with the person you're married to because why? Because the devil will get in there and, and it will be bad, right? Or or just like a wide variety of things. Make sure you're submitting to one another out of love or your your um your selfless love for one another. I believe God, the God of love, the author of life, he knows more about love and he does more about relationships than our culture does. And so if I was you, I would just be, be clear on what the Bible says, and I would run with that. That's what I would do. Secondly, I would be a lifelong learner of your spouse. This is me, not the Bible. And, and I would say, man, focus on who God's made them to be, not on who they're not. Be obsessed with treasuring uh, your spouse. Can you see the treasure that God's made in, in front of you? Can you praise for the treasure? Can you cultivate what God's made your spouse to be? The accuser wants you to be annoyed at what they're not. The accuser wants you to be focused on what they're not. And be so put out by that. I remember a few years ago, 25 years ago, Kelly and I, we got this a personality test thing done, and, and it basically said that Kelly is amazing with details, and under stress, she gets even better at details. Th- this is the positive sin, spin. Uh, I would say she goes slowly. And, and, and the enemy was at work on me, just like to, Brian, be annoyed that she slows down instead of seeing. It is a gift and a treasure that someone's actually paying attention to the details under stress. Why can't you honor who they are instead of being annoyed by what they're not? And, and it's just, yeah, learning to treasure the, the carefulness and, and, and who they've been made to be. That's it. Uh, Number two. Number three, lifelong romantic. I, I hate it that most people's trajectory, many people's trajectories is just like less and less and less Romance. Don't. You you covenanted to love, to honor, and to cherish. To cherish. So do that. Do that. Keep going. ah. Keep going with that. Now maybe that's a lot of secular stuff there, but the Bible behind it is love and keep your vows. Keep your vows. Keep your covenants. And you did vow to keep on loving as long as you both shall live. Now, for those of you who are thinking, you know what, that vow sounds like a great idea. And I would like to make that vow and, and marry somebody. Um, I, I believed that I could marry just about anybody and make it work. Just about. Just about. Anyone. Anyway, I, I, I don't have the same confidence these days, but, uh, but, I, but I believed that I could, as long as we were both committed to Jesus and the Bible, Jesus and we were going to both take the Bible and say that's going to be how it is for us. I, I believe if we had that, that Jesus and the Bible more than our thoughts, more than our feelings, more than our opinions or whatever, then we could make it work. And and it seems to me that many Christians these days are. I'm looking for someone who goes to church and is hot as humanly possible. That's all I'm really looking for when 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 it comes to this. And I just shake my head and I think, oh man, some people are so obsessed with people's hair color. I'm like, don't even get me started when it comes to hair. Uh, or, or it can change. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I would encourage you, to 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 set your hearts on the right thing, who loves Jesus, who, who who loves Jesus, and and someone who can look past the the eyes and see this person is a treasure. God has created this person to be loved and, and treasured, and this person wants to run after Jesus with all their life. This person is going to put the Bible first. Okay, then great. Let's let's um. Let's run. You're looking for um. A partner not someone who's perfect if you're looking for the most perfect that you can possibly find just you'll see them when you see the treasure but, but if you're only looking uh, shallowly you won't see the treasure that, that, that God's making you're looking for you're a partner to run after Jesus with anyways Abraham right Yikes. Yikes. This guy, he messes up so badly. He, he doesn't seek God's plan for his crisis. He cares more about his success and, than, and his safety than the covenant vows he made before God. And yet if this guy, Abraham, can turn things around and become the father of faith for all who believe... You can have an extraordinary future if you walk in His steps. And also go from wherever you are today towards being determined to trust Jesus tomorrow. Whatever yesterday looked like, to keep trusting Jesus for it. Now, I am, I, um, I struggled with the challenges today. I got to this point, I'm like, what? Even for challenges. So here's my attempt at some challenges. Challenge number one, if you're married, I don't know, step it up, fire it up, Refresh it up, something, I don't know. I, I, I usually do better with challenges than that, but there we go. Whatever that means for you. Step it up. Right away. Um, if you want to get married, I suggest praying something along these lines. Open my eyes. Open my eyes so that I can see the treasure in front of me. Open my eyes. Or, or my other prayer, make our paths straight to each other. That prophecy, make my path straight. Make our path straight to each other. And then open our eyes and, so that we can see the treasure in front of us. Uh, for, those, for all of us, content or, or in whatever situation, Psalm 15 is amazing when it comes to this topic, especially the line about being about people who keep their word, uh, keep their promises even when it hurts. And, and those people will stand firm forever or find favor from the Lord. Psalm 15, very, very short. I would review, pray through Psalm 15. And really be thinking, man, I want to be someone who keeps their word no matter the cost. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Uh, God, I, I bless the marriages in, in, in this room now and in the future. And God, I ask that they would be full of love and honor and cherishing. That you would protect all the marriages in, in this church from from the devastating lies and work of the enemy, the accuser, and the, the tempter, and all those kind of things. That you would just that you would just say, "No, you are worth having." A people who have holy marriages that honor you, people who keep their words and, and who. Who honor you with it? God, I just pray protection over over marriages. I pray uh, blessings of, of life and joy and peace over every home. And God, if there's evil taking place, I ask you to step in immediately and stop it now. That you would that you would immediately do what it takes. Strike what needs to be struck, intervene immediately in the name of Jesus, and that you would uh, see those who are being harmed and hurt and intervene. And God, for those who would like to be married and who would like to be soon, God, I ask that you would make their paths straight, that you would see their desires, their hearts it's a good thing, and God, I ask that you would make their paths straight, make their, like, right to their people, that you 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 see uh, direct their path straight to one another, open their eyes so that they can see, and and grant them the courage to to see and and step into that. God, I just I pray that just in grace in, in mercy that you would direct the paths easily and and simply there. And God, for all of us, God, that we'd be a people who love to keep our word no matter what, who keep our our vows, our oaths, our promises, and that that you would bless that you would bless us as people who who are determined to keep your values and keep our oaths. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.